Africa Calling, a bi-monthly podcast with sound-rich reports from our correspondents on the continent. African Voices reporting on African stories produced by Radio France International. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Africa Calling podcast on May 14th, 2021. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. We have a number of stories from our correspondents on the African continent this week, including a look at how young people living with sickle cell anemia are getting local help and aiding each other in Kenya. In Gambia, the majority Muslim country just celebrated Eid, but the government put out a message during Ramadan that angered some women. Our correspondent in Banjul has more. One robot startup in the Democratic Republic of Congo is bringing digital skills to children in Lubumbashi. And finally, don't forget our special song at the end. In Kenya, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, hundreds of people living with sickle cell disease are in dire need of medication and other essential medical services to help manage their health condition. The lack of indispensable life-saving health services are causing many to succumb to the disease, particularly children and teenagers. However, in Nairobi, young boys and girls between the ages of 14 and 22 living with sickle cell anemia have formed a foundation to help them source for funds to buy drugs and also empower themselves. Our correspondent, Victor Maturi, reports from Nairobi, Kenya. It is 5 p.m. in Kibera slums, located south of Kenya's capital, Nairobi. Here, young boys and girls living with the sickle cell disease are formed through sickle cell foundation to empower themselves and other patients. Thank you for this day. Thank for bringing us here. Thank for giving us life that you've provided. Today, they are meeting in one of the community health volunteers' house to be acquainted on how to live with the disease in absence of medication. According to health experts, sickle cell disease is a group of blood disorders typically inherited from a person's parents. The most common type is known as sickle cell anemia. It results in an abnormality in the oxygen-carrying protein hemoglobin found in red blood cells. Brian Andugo, who is 20 years old, is the founder of the group and has been living with the disease for 19 years now. I started this group in 2019 after finishing high school. I had a burning desire in my heart to reach out to many people to help them deal with their health challenges like the ones I experience. It's been my main target from the beginning. To date, the organization has 24 registered members. Since 2019 to date, many teenagers have benefited from this foundation initiative. They are getting some drugs and other support during a meeting from well-wishers within the slum areas and its environs. For now, there are 32 members in the group. 17-year-old Brian Letunda is one of the beneficiaries. This group has really helped us. We educate each other and everyone tries to give advice as he or she understands it. Some say drink plenty of water, another says to keep warm. Another member says she eats food rich in iron to boost her blood. So by attending the group sessions, you get help from peers. 
unapata sasa unapata mawaida kutoka kwa wenzako hapo. Patients frequent in the house of Lilian Aoko, a community health volunteer, they have been coming to her house since the declaration of COVID-19 pandemic in March 2020 in Kenya. Those living with sickle cell and other diseases such as tuberculosis are facing the challenge of accessing drugs. Lack of medication and other support from local health facilities has led to deaths even though this is preventable. Valentine Blames has been living with sickle cell disease for 21 years now. The drug is much expensive, like 10 tablets. They are 7,000. So I had to go without medication like I just only had to drink water and get fruits and uh, eat a lot of vegetables. I had to take one drug which is folic. I do use folic and paladrin and the paladrin is being taken according to your crisis. Members are served tea at Volunteer Okoy's house. Apart from lack of healthcare services among other challenges, these teenagers are facing serious discrimination in school and from neighbors. Blam says she has gone through really tough times in school resulting to her transfer from one school to the other. She finally decided to shift from her home in up country to Nairobi. Some of the student mockers say that look at her. She has a big stomach something like that, a big head. Some of us will say that oh my god, even me I had a cousin and the cousin died. So that is where we lose hope. we are going to die at 16 17 so me am 21 years if i had to see a sickle cell person suffering somewhere else i'd say that you need to take your drugs and drink a lot of water nothing should make you lose hope in life sawa sawa so mzazi anaweza kuwa ameshindwa na hiyo uwezo ya kununua chakula aina ya bana Community health volunteers have been playing a major role in helping those living with chronic diseases in the slum areas during this COVID-19 pandemic period. Like here at a question and answer session in Lilian's house in Kibera, many get help. Ahoko, a non-community health volunteer, has been distributing drugs from door to door, particularly to chronic patients with limited access to healthcare services. Today, she is hosting five teenagers to evaluate their progress. When they come, I guide them depending on their situation and circumstances. They have to stay near someone like a parent who understands them or a community health volunteer to remind them about their drugs. Some feel more free to talk to me as a community health worker compared to their parents. At the meeting Tin patient Consolata tells Africa Calling how she feels. My name is Consolata Wall and I'm 14 years of age. We benefit because we're being taught how to cope with sickle cell, how to live with it and just uh, just being with it as a normal thing, not taking it as a big thing, maybe not discriminating yourself and not respecting yourself, maybe giving up in life. Better how to cope with this. So, yeah, if you are about to, you are feeling like you want to give up in life, you're being given advice and all those.
not just in Kibera but in many parts of Kenya and the East African region, sickle cell disease is a silent problem with devastating effects. Ahako says there is lack of awareness of this condition amongst people and not much attention is given to the problem by the health institutions. She says making medication available and taking routine statistics is key in dealing with the disease. There are no medicines now, even in our health facilities. If there are some, it's not enough. If a patient is supposed to take medication for three months, they only get enough for one or two months. I'm urging the government to find ways to help these children to get enough medication. According to the Children's Coastal Foundation, non-infectious diseases are constantly growing and deaths by non-communicable diseases are expected to rise 75% by the year 2030. That's compared to those caused by infections, malnutrition and, pre- and neonatal complications. The World Health Organization identifies sickle cell anemia as the fourth most prolific disease in children aged 0 to 18 in Africa. Philip Njoga, a medical practitioner here at Silanga Hospital in Nairobi, says that children with sickle cell diseases should be handled with care and be encouraged to attend routine medical checkups. Actually, there is no cure. Basically, what we just do is to control. So if we can control what triggers it, most of the time the patients are likely to have less signs and symptoms. Number one, we always give them uh, something called folic acid because they have that tendency of excessive destruction of red blood cells, which leads to anemia. So we give them folic acid to supplement the iron they have in the body. Then uh, sometimes when they come with severe anemia, at some point they'll have to be transfused. Data from Kenya Medical Research Institute, Kemri, indicates that high school dropout rates have been observed among those diagnosed with the disease, often due to prolonged ill health. Many people believe that those with this disease die before the age of 18 years. Dr. Njoga says in countries where comprehensive care is available, many people with the sickle cell disease live normal lives into their 40s and 50s or even longer. I've seen patients who go up to past 30, 40 years yeah, with sickle cell disease. I think this is the most important thing is just awareness. Once people are aware about certain conditions, I think stigma. It's like how HIV came. Initially, it was so, people were so stigmatized, people wouldn't even come to the hospital. But because of awareness, mobilization by people in the community, the CHUs and all that, people are able to know this and this is what happens. If you have this, you're supposed to do this and this and this. So basically, if you can like educate people, create awareness so that they're able to know about the disease, I think issues with stigma, it's, it's something that we can really handle very well. For the meeting, we thank you for our leaders. Thank you. As the meeting comes to an end with the closing prayer, these teenagers will continue to have more of these meetings to come on how to boost their health condition. They are calling upon the government and other stakeholders to put more effort in implementing advice given to help those living with chronic diseases such as sickle cell, not only in Kenya, but also regionally. Reporting for RFI's Africa Calling, this is Victor Moturi in Kibera, Nairobi, Kenya. Amen. Thank you so much. Africa calling. In the Gambia, during the Ramadan period, women's rights activists were angered by a government memo that seemingly put men's work before women's.
Their reactions were taken as anti-Islam, as some believe feminism is a Western ideology that devalues African cultures. Correspondent Sally Jang reports on the controversy from Banjul. Women doing house chores is one of the many traditions that keep women from realizing their potential and improving their personal development. Research by Frontiers in Psychology has shown, and yet some people see it as an Islamic obligation on women. Last month during the holy month of Ramadan, the Gambia government wrote a memo stating that women working in the government should be going home early to prepare iftar. Iftar is the traditional breaking of the fast during Ramadan after sunset. Feminists in the country were not happy with the government's memo and they took to the social media to protest against it, arguing that it put women in a position of doing chores at home while the men, whose work is seen more important, stayed at work. There was a strong reaction, with many accusing feminists of being against the Islamic traditions and the cultures of the Gambian society. But some Islamic scholars like Taha Muhammad Sise don't agree. At his home near the mosque, he told us Islam values women and women need to fight for their rights. In Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give women and man all the creation they have their right. So I don't see any problem for women to ask for their right or for some man to fight for women to get their rights. So you can see everywhere sometimes the right of women uh, being taken. And that is not uh, right in Islam. So Islam, if we look at the Sharia perspective, uh, I think it honor women more than it honor man. It's because of sometimes we cannot appreciate what the women are doing in the houses because we don't know uh, whether that is obligation on them or not. And uh, in Islam, it's not an obligation on the women to cook every day. Sise says it is wrong to say feminism is un-Islamic and that even during the time of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, women fought for their rights when they were violated. If the man respect the right of the woman, then alhamdulillah, if the women see that the man are not respecting their right, they have a right to, to ask. And that's happened in the time of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, and in the time of Omar ibn Khattab anhu, when he wanted to reduce the dowry. The dowry is the, the bribe uh, price, you call it. So uh, when he wanted to reduce it because he uh, see that it was very expensive. The woman, uh, you know, asked for their right. He said, Omar, how can you do something that Rasulullah never did? And Omar said, today, women rectify Omar. He blamed himself. There is a need for people to understand feminism and Islam, says Maimuna Jeng, co-founder of Equals Now, a feminism collective in the Gambia for radical advocacy and activism. She is also one of the women protesting against the government's memo. A lot of the time I get instances where men call me confused or assume that I do not understand Islam or assume that I do not have any form of Islamic knowledge because of simple feminist principles. Lately what I've been doing is not engaging in any form of dialogue with men, especially those who are gaslighting me or those who do not really want to learn, but they just want to argue and and just make you look like you do not understand what you're doing. So I've like moved on from those kind of conversations. So what I would do is I'll just ignore or I'll just throw back the, the same 
statement they throw at me, which is go and learn. Here, women are singing at a traditional marriage ceremony, a rite that is important to women in the Gambia. One of the traditions is when a girl is found to be a virgin on her wedding night. Elderly women gathered together to celebrate with traditional drumming and singing. Some cultures in the Gambia oppress the rights of women more than others. Hasum Sise is the director of National Center for Arts and Culture. He says it is important to preserve cultures that value women's strengths. In most Gambian, like any cultural settings, the feminine is associated with so many things. One association with tender, like tenderness, and the very positive association with authority also. Um, and this is going to surprise many people because um, there's usually this um, generalization of the African woman in the Gambia in particular has been submissive and weak. But if you go really into our cultures, that cannot be true. Um, women have authority. Authority over children, for example. Authority over some of the basic life cycles, like marriage, for example. I mean, like initiation. Women have a very, very important role there. Sometimes, in fact, like a deciding role. Women may be decision makers, and while some women spoke out against the government statement, many said they were still afraid to speak up to defend themselves. The government, meanwhile, did not respond to the women's protest during Ramadan. Salijeng reporting for RFI's Africa Calling in Banjul, the Gambia. Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International. When you think of robots, you think of the future. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, that's the case too. One startup is trying to encourage the Congo's youngest generation to embrace this technology by offering robotics classes for children. The enthusiasm of young students and their parents could make this the perfect way for those aged 8 to 13 to be exposed to 21st century innovations. Correspondent Gabrielle Nina Mitch has more from Lubumbashi. Also at a single home, girl lip singer aged 8 is learning how to build robots using Lego building blocks. His curiosity about new technology led his parents to enroll him in a robotic course at an early age. This course is offered at student homes through Robotic Generation, a Congolese startup. The Liv explains what he's learning. I'm learning how to move a robot around obstacles. I can make objects move with my robot according to time, rotation and degree. Over at 13-year-old Christy Camber's house, she's dealing with robot sensors. Today I did a program with the ARM H25 robot, which can be found in the mining industry. It allows us to lift and move things. I did it with an instruction block. For my program to work, I use sensors that control every movement of my robot. At Gunlev Singer's place, teacher Alphonse Mafumo started a lesson with some positive reinforcement. Gunlev plans to expand his technological skills in the future. He dreams of becoming a farmer, and the robot would serve him in different agricultural-related tasks. This course is helping me because I want to be a farmer. 
I will be using machines to harvest and cultivate, and they will be connected to a robot I will build on my own. I advise kids my age to take this course because you can learn a lot of good things. I don't know if they have the same long-term ideas as mine, but I think it will help them. Here at Digital Club, a dozen children participate in a robotic workshop every Saturday. The main objective of this club is to bring together children to assess their knowledge and push them to work in team. Groups are formed according to the programs learned throughout the week, such as EV3, Scratch, and We Do. Despite the significant advances in digital technology in recent years, this sector has not made much progress in the DRC. Robotic is not yet part of the school curriculum. Initially, robotic generation planned to integrate robotics into the educational system by cooperating with certain schools. This was meant to build and develop children's ability and to help them understand the new technologies around them. Unfortunately, that has not been possible to implement this year's school. According to Sami Kazadi, coordinator at Robotic Generation, the promise is for next year. Bon, à domicile parce que nous avons rencontré quelques complications avec les écoles. We give this course at home because we have encountered complications with schools. We found that in the Democratic Republic of Congo and generally in Africa. There's a delay in getting and adopting new technology. I thought we should bring this course to schools to expose children to new technology at a young age and try to open their minds. However, after visiting some schools, we realized that the process was a bit slow. There were some parents who were already interested in the project and they asked if their children could do a course at home, since schools are unable to supervise them. That's how we created this homeschooling program. Cécile Nelly, a parent, believes new technologies are new skills for children and therefore support the approach of robotic generation. Integrating robotic courses in the educational system of the DRC would be a plus, she says. Nelly Ed, this would prepare children to live in a world where the digital age redefines all spheres of human engineering. Si aujourd'hui ça se fait en privé, ça veut dire que c'est des frais. So, because it's done privately, it means parents paying a bit more. But once it's integrated next year into formal education, it'll be cheaper. It means it can be spread out over one, two or three years rather than three months training as it is at the moment. And if it's extended over a few years in both public and private schools, then children of all social backgrounds will have the opportunity to learn this program. Bringing the new technology of Congolese children to be at the same level as children in developed countries was the concern of Tony Siam, the CEO and founder of Startup Robotic Generation. After finishing his studies in South Africa, Siam decided to create his own company in order to give the future generations the ability to learn the digital world. He believes such a program would help the future generation not to feel left behind in a very digital world. Uh, I was first thinking of the, the, the very young generation because they don't ha- really have um, the, the, all the, the, the equipment that they, they, they could need 
to 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 help them to um, to move forward. So, but when you you study on the, abroad in another country and you see how those kids they have all they need, but in your own country you don't have. So now my my aim is to to give the same privilege that other country they don't have to give back to the young generation, young Congolese generation, so that they can at least uh, know what they can expect from life. Because in, in the next ten years they should be in the same level with other countries as well. With the advancement of digital technology, which is moving at high speed, a robotic generation believes that the future of Congo should not be left behind. They need to be prepared to be able to participate in the digital revolution. For RFI's Africa Calling, this is Gabriel Nina Mitch in Lubumbashi. Find us on your favorite podcast platform app, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We're almost at the end of our program, but we have music maven Alison Hurd in the studio. Hi, Alison. What song do you have for us? Hi, Laurangela. Let's go back to the Kibera neighborhood in Nairobi because the musician singer I wanted to focus on today is from there. His name is Henry Ohanga. He goes by the name of Octopizzo. Uh, he grew up there, had a tough life without his parents. He had to steal to keep afloat, but he makes great music, writes good lyrics, and he's become a successful rap artist and hip hopper. He mm. released his seventh album recently. It's called Jungle Fever. He says that he wants to foster a society that values music both as a way of educating people and, uh, you know, using language, a way of expressing the human experience and spirit which sounds good to me. Uh, he's even set up a foundation and he's helping people in poor neighbourhoods like Kibera and in refugee camps. So the song I've chosen is called Good Morning Africa and it features Id Aziz. And uh, Okto Pizzo says in the song, you know, he wants to encourage people to come to Africa to experience the lifestyle, the good and the bad and help make things better. Fabulous. That sounds good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode 24 of Africa Calling. We'll leave you with the fabulous sounds of Octopizzo. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. This episode was edited and recorded by Erwan Rome. Goodbye for now. African papi door, yeah, yeah. Check him a fuzzy bro, yeah, yeah. Hapani kazi, oh, yeah, yeah. Kula ma baki show, yeah, yeah. For such him the suit it all, and a friend of Shamba bro. We may have a parking lot, one and it a shamba boy. We hog on a cucumber, we bongo ya kisa, sa, we bongo za kila, sa. And pesa for wrong number, jump fever, wanna shiva. Die you go to a silver, shasha money to na eva. Penda magic check in liva, super wangu yeni diva. Sacramento hini misa, and be your father meant your Jesus, daughter wangu mona lisa. Toka kisumu na nifiga ya chupa Usupa shanga nikimwaganda ni na nimbeguna kupa Lima shamba, skatetema na upungu zage pupa 
Nipate ni kose, ni kose ni sote Ni sote ni kope, ni kope ni ose Children of voices, profit my losses Wakanda ndani hini Africa Ship in morning in Africa Never boring in Africa Ever boring in Africa Na mesi toki Africa Ekewa mchele bana kwa giza Rada chafo mina safisha Diamende hapa Africa Africa, 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 Africa,